Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Crowning Moment Podcast Unfiltered Series. We have a new and exciting person to bring on today. We're going to bring in Stephen, who I actually had the honor of meeting while he was judging a pageant a few months back. So let's go ahead and bring him into the chat and talk a little bit more about all things pageantry as well as him being an artist. Hello, how are you? Well, how are you, Casey? I am great. All right. I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and your background. Sure. So my name is Steven Salyers and I'm an artist and podcaster and creative entrepreneur here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, which has been my home for 18 years. And I've just been sort of a pillar in the music industry and a philanthropist, uh, you know, sort of bridging the world of my music. Uh, with my philanthropic efforts and with that have have helped raise close to a million dollars for needing better kids um, through nonprofits and partnerships. Um, I have a podcast, the Say Something podcast, uh, and I'm a session singer, songwriter. I'm a stylist. I've got a fashion line um, and wear a lot of hats, literally and figuratively. Uh, but I've, you know, I think most been proud of the community and connection that I have with people in Nashville. And I hosted a songwriters night for about nine years and would have many people on the show and, and sort of bridged relationships. And um, I'm grateful for that time because it sort of helped create a network, not only for myself, but also sort of, you know, create a space for other songwriters to who, whether they had just moved to Nashville or they were coming through town on a tour to have a stage, to have a space, to share their song, um, to make connections and co-write and, and bridge relationships of a lifetime. Uh, so that's sort of been, you know, an accomplishment and a joy. Um, and so I day in, day out, just try to live an inspired life and try to not necessarily find identity by what I do and who I know and what I've accomplished, but just to remain connected and inspired and hope that that energy will rise within me and sort of reflect to all that I encounter and mirror to them the possibility and the inspiration of what they already have within them. That. That's some good stuff right there. I'm like, that's going to be a sound bite for me. But going more into the side of how did you get started in this career? You said you've been in Nashville for 18 years. What kickstarted everything for you? So I, I like to tell people I got my first check when I was 12 years old performing on stage. So I've been a pro since I was 12 years old. Um, and, you know, during that time I was doing everything from like community events, civic league stuff to pageants. I sang at many, many pageants. Uh, actually was in a couple of pageants as a young child. And my mother, my grandmother dressed me to sort of resemble Don Johnson from Miami Vice. <laughs> or like this white seersucker suit. It was adorable at the time, terrifying now that, to look back at. Um, and then Essentially, I moved to Nashville with a record deal on the table for a country record, uh, which did not, you know, sort of play out. And I always say that Nashville uh, brings you to Nashville for your dreams. But then life happens. Um, and if you hear any of my music now, it's like I'm a pop artist through and through. Uh, and so that would be like, you know, putting a square into a circle, you know, back then. Um, but I'm grateful that I did have something to move to Nashville for because 
it sort of allowed me to meet myself and um, expand on who I was, push the creative envelope and find my truth, you know? And so it has been my home city and just sort of met me with never been moments made by never met me, you know? Um, so that was, you know, 18 years ago and it has been a journey. You know, I remember like going into 2016, I don't know why, but I was on a hike New Year's Eve and I just randomly prayed like, God, like if this isn't it, take it away. Like I'm great at a lot of things. You know, I've been an executive. I've done, you know, I've been great at a lot of things, but I wanted it to be crystal clear. If the dream that I chased my entire life was not it, was not in service to all for the higher good, then take it away from me, you know, because I want to know what it is I'm here to do. I want to know my purpose, my why, if you will. And Casey, I'll tell you, fortunately, the, the, that didn't go away. It got bigger and grander. There were relationships and people that I didn't realize consciously that I were holding on to that were not good for me, that were um, unhealthy, and they clipped away. And it was not out of bitterness or resentment. And it was not, it was a choiceless process. And so from 2016 to like 2020, I felt like this assimilation of who I was as an artist and just a creative sort of entity. And, um, and there was no just one road. It was like, we're, we're all in, we're here with extra real estate, with this intellectual property that goes beyond that can allow me to be a judge at a pageant, even though I hadn't judged a pageant, you know, that goes beyond what the mental, the, the, the mindful measured, um, sort of goal is. And that's where I'm at right here. It's interesting you say that because I feel like this topic and like the new season of my life has been being intentional and being specific and not just everything you do action wise, but also in prayer. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting that you had just brought that up because my cousin and I were just having a conversation about being specific. I mean, you can pray about a lot of things in life until you really know what you specifically are either looking for or trying to grant or, you know, find the road to walk down got to be intentional. You got to be specific with it. And it's that cutting ties with people that you didn't realize were toxic in your life that you were still holding on to because maybe you still had this hope that maybe in my brain, I always think I can fix them or I can help them. There's something I'm doing that can really change their life, but it's doing nothing but really just hindering my ability to grow and to push past and open new doors for myself. And so it's very interesting you brought that up because it's one of those topics that not a lot of people like to dive into. And it's been the new, I guess, like message of this era of my life currently. Yeah. And also I've been guilty of being codependent uh, and especially in relationships where I'm a people or recovering people pleaser and compromise sort of myself and, you know, sort of shy myself down in order to being that relationship. But you know what? Compromise C O means cutting out promise, the promise of me or the dream of me, you know? And so mm. I, I just knowing that line and honoring that line allowed those relationships to go away. And it would happen without, again, even trying. They just wouldn't call or text or be in my day to day. They went away because my intention was heard and honored, you know, and my new life was materialized. So 
That's, I mean, it's great stuff. And I'm glad that we kind of just dove into this at the beginning. I didn't expect this conversation at all, but I'm so glad we're having it because definitely in the pageant world, there are some connections that can really greatly boost what you're doing and put you in the right direction, or it can take you two steps back. I've been on both sides of that hand before. And sometimes you have to really get that lesson to learn something from it. And so now knowing I'm one of those people, I'm a people pleaser. I love to be codependent. And I right there with you, I had to learn that that was not going to do anything for Casey. I had to work and worry about Casey. That's the only person that really needs to matter in my mind. I can be a people, I can like help people be very, you know, as much as I can do for others. But if I'm not doing anything for me, I'm not growing or doing anything in the industry or even for myself on a personal level. So I want to ask you a little bit more, you know, being an artist, sometimes you have to be for yourself all the time. So tell me a little bit about what an artist's lifestyle looks like for you and what it has looked like since the age of 12. Sure. Um, well, a couple, there's a couple different answers. First, I want to say, like, for my family, you know, I was born in eastern Kentucky, like a small town of 4,000 people. And I believe that they think I, like, ha- go to happy hour with Kim Kardashian, Kid Rock. Like, and that's my lifestyle. And that's happened one time in my life. You know, I was at an event that was Kim Kardashian, Kid Rock were, like, the co, you know, uh, host for. Um, but it goes beyond that. Like, I don't know if they know exactly what I do day to day. And, but I will tell you, like coming to Nashville, that is full of talented people. It can be much like the pageant world. The pageant world is a lot like the music industry. You know, we get dressed up, you know, we, when we walk into the room, we have to make an impression. You know, some of us have have an X factor, others don't. Um, But it is a lot of smoothing, very similar to the pageant world. And what I know for sure is for the first several years I was in Nashville, I was trying to you know, fold into this mold, you know, I call it like the Starbucks menu, you know, like it's the same thing, you know, you get three different sizes. And so then you start looking like everybody, like in the black, you know, H&M Henleys with a giving key necklace and skinny jeans. And I'm like, this is not me. Like it's never (laughs) been me. I came in to be me. Um, And, and, also, like knowing that I don't have to go out to their every writer's night, every night of the week because I need to rest. And some people would say, well, you're just being selfish. But I want to say this to you because I think there is a similarity in the industry and the pageant world. There's a difference between selfish and being and knowing your self-worth, you know, and I think sometimes it is like demanding that, no, my I'm worthy, my self-worth is allowing me to be unapologetic about no is a complete sentence or what I don't do or, you know, how I do express myself. Like, and so I think being selfish is honoring our self-worth sometimes. Um, Now I'm not supporting, you know, anyone being having immature, you know, lack of emotional intelligence about their life because that is being an adult, you know, Um, But I think that when the intention is there and you water that from a place of truth, of love, then and not a fear, then it is always about self-worth and knowing that, like, you are worthy of everything that you are commanding for yourself in the moment of of whatever realm you're in, pageants or on stages. Um, And when you move from that place and it, it is living from the inside out. When you move from that place, people meet you like aligned with you that are not um, 
afraid of your energy, you know, because I've seen like, I have like connected with like people way beyond my pay grade, if you will, you know, VP and like, they are not afraid of my energy because they know who they are. And then I've also ruffled feathers because someone is insecure with themselves. So they can't be around me. Or if they are around me, they start to become like irritated and I can, I can watch it, you know, go. So it has also informed my music and the way that like I have zero F's, if you will, you know, like I just am unapologetically who I am. I've always been this larger than life character my entire life. And I always say that I want it all because I give it all. And that's true in conversation. That's true on stages. That's true in creating my podcast or my fashion. And that's true just by my presence. I know that there is power in just my presence alone. And as long as I stand from that place, again, I am giving someone else permission to know the possibility of their own life, of whatever their pursuit is, whatever their deepest desire and dreams are, you know? Exactly. And the thing is, I I think it was on Instagram, maybe it was on Twitter talking about, you know, a CEO of a company will never doubt your dreams. They will give you the tools most of them will give you the tools to get you to grow, to be, you know, that CEO level, whatever you want to be, because they already know who they are. They already have their plans. They've already done the hard work. So they know what it takes and they, they're not afraid to give you those tools. And so that's something that I wish a lot of people would hit on more is talking about, you know, you have to be very secure in yourself and especially in pageantry, because if you're not, you're walking and you're standing in line and looking at the girl next to you going, oh gosh, I wish my hair looked like that. Or I wish my outfit was like that. I can't afford the $10,000 gown. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're walking out there in a trash bag, if you're confident and you work it and do that, it doesn't matter. It no. does not matter what your gown costs versus someone else. It doesn't matter how much hair and makeup time you did, or if you did it yourself. Yeah. And that's things that people don't, really like to talk about. They just say, oh yeah, it happens. It's just like one of those background noises. They don't really talk about it, but I wish they did more because teaching girls and men how to be secure in themselves is something that we need to do at such a younger age because there are the kids that have it. And then there's the kids that are so afraid to be who they truly are. And that is just so scary going into today's society. And that's something I want to, you know, keep tapping into. I know we got to talk a little bit about your podcast when we were at the pageant together. And also I want to throw in here for all the people that were at the American United Miss Pageant, you had the best outfit. I think you beat all the pageant girls at the pageant because your outfits were the best. You had the hat and all the little girls were like, it's the hat guy. He's got the hat. He's so pretty. He's so, it was so funny because I was working one of the doors for interview room. It was your interview room for those Mm who were there. Um, And they just, they just thought you were fabulous. So I had to throw that in there, but I want to tap into things that we got to talk about. And that was one of them was your podcast. And I thought it was just such an interesting, you have this essence. And Mm -hmm. I I really just want people to hear more about, you know, the conversations you're having on your podcast and talking about situations that you've lived. Sure. Thank you very much for all of that. And again, it goes back to living an inspired life. Like I don't, I don't dress like I dress to impress anybody or for applause. I just, I go to Kroger like this, you know? Um, And so the say something podcast. And I think uh, just like the essence, which I thank you, I received that compliment. Um, I think that like, you know, my podcast so far has been just soul conversations. I haven't brought anybody else in yet because two things. One is like, it, it can get out of hand that way. Um, and also like, it seems that the feedback that I am getting from my listeners is that like, they feel like they're in the room with me, just having a one-on-one conversation. And 
even though I had tried to make a list of topics that I was going to talk, talk about, I've really like remained open to hearing, to being, allowing the vessel to bring in like whatever the conversation needs to be in that time and, um, and allowing it to do what it's supposed to do. Um, and I think that that is the general case for like the girls who came in the room. Like I am not intimidating. Like I am allowing space to again, show them what is possible. And so the conversations that I'm having with the podcast, you know, I, I have one that is like um, Ted Lasso is our Fred Rogers because I, I immediately like fell in love, like the world fell in love with Ted Lasso. But I saw like, oh, my gosh, this is filling this void that like we haven't really had since Fred, Mr. Rogers. You know, um, I posted one about the day I spent with Little Richard, the legendary who's now passed on. But like one life lessons with Little Richard, there's one called The Hell of Hillsong, which is about the Hillsong documentary. And, you know, I have served, you know, as a worship leader at a large church in Nashville. So that was like even me saying something, even though that I'm still like, you know, still a volunteer at a church sometimes. It's speaking the truth. And it's, again, saying what others may think or or not. And it's not to say, it's not to make me wrong to make somebody else right. You know, it's just like having honest conversation. And I think that as long as we do that, we give permission to everybody to have a voice to allow every girl to know that she is the queen of, you know, of her own life. Um, and the pageant world, you know, like every one of those girls, like should have had a crown, you know, but they need to know before they step on stage, before the outfits, before the training, like they have to know they already have the crown in order to get the crown and truly embody it, you know? And, that is something I learned later in life. Unfortunately, it didn't come. I wish we had in the criteria of school, like words like compassion. You know, I didn't know what that was until I was in my twenties um, and codependency. And I understand that like, since we're like tiny kids, we're taught you're either a win or a loser, you know, like in baseball or basketball cheerleading, um, you either make an A or you make an F. Like it's, it's like a two tiered system that really, unfortunately, fractures us, you know, and it fractures our human spirit. When I believe that our spirit came in fully, like knowing like we have the crown already, we have the prize already, and everything else is piled onto that spirit, you know, and it's like we have to fight for it when we really don't have to fight for it. We are, um, I have a song called Born to be Giants, like we were all born giants, you know, it's just unbelieving everything that society has taught us to remember our truest essence. I believe that Casey. That's a good statement there too. One of my really good friends, Maria always says you are the queen of your own castle. Therefore you allow any energies that you want in and you can kick anybody you need out. If they're bothering your castle, that is your, like your own peace of mind, I guess would be the best way to put it. But that is true that girls need to realize before the train, before anything, like you have to wear that invisible crown at all times. You need to know that you can rock it no matter what. It doesn't matter. A different set of judges, a different day, a different, you know, complete set of winners. You never know. And that's one thing that I never realized. It is such like a, you're a winner or you're a loser. You're a, mm -hmm. you know, you get an F, you get an A. I had never thought about it like that, but truly mm -hmm. from a young age, they're already dividing us. They're already fracturing up the group. 
and not even realize it. And I do wish that compassion was one of those words. I know when we were in elementary school, we had like the five good words and it was like, be kind, you know, like those little simple statements that you see in people's house, like live, laugh, love. It's like those ones. But I wish they really pushed those more rather than just saying, these are our good characteristics. It's like, okay, they're good characteristics, but how do we become those good characteristics? How do we become that, you know, selfless person or even someone that is a helping hand? Because if you don't teach someone to be helpful when they're younger, they're, they're not going to just one day decide, I want to be the most helpful person in the world. And that's one of the things that I wish they did more. And especially in pageantry, they have a lot of different things where you do philanthropic and you go out and you give food to those or you collect items to donate to a animal shelter. There's things that you're doing. And I know you mentioned that you do some philanthropic work and you had some numbers that you had thrown out. So I want to you know, chat a little bit more about how you got started in that. And I know that you work at a church. Can I ask which church in Nashville? My brother lives in Nashville. Oh, really? Yeah. Cross Point Church. Cross Point. Um, okay. They were at, it wasn't, is it Zeal or there's yeah, another Zeal. church there that they were a part of for a while. That's why I wondered if it was one of those, but that's yeah, exciting. I, yeah. I attended Zeal. Zeal's great. They have really good, like their pastor there, because we had watched them online since we're not in Nashville. Um, I'm yeah. in North Carolina currently. And it was just so inspirational. I mean, the music, I'm like, these people can sing. Like, yeah. This is, and that's is what you would expect. Yeah. Well, before yeah. we go, I want to say, do you know how to spell guru? Guru? G-R-U. G-R-U. G-U-R-U. And so I, I, on the conversation of like, you know, looking outside of ourselves, like it's always within ourselves. Um, what was the question you? Oh, talking were, about your philanthropic things. Yeah, talking yeah. about what so, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to say that like what you do when no one's around is just as important as what you do to celebrate. So I throw out the numbers only because it's not just me. There's a lot of people involved in that, but oh, yeah. impact is impact. And it, it is honoring like, what you do whenever something does happen. I'll use an example. Um, it started like from something like doing like $5, $5 to get in. And then that would go to something to black tie events, you know, and dinners and things that sort of grow with a committee that it takes a lot of time to plan. Um, but I'll remember in 2010, I had already done like stuff around Christmas for kids, you know, but in 2010 Nashville experienced a, what they called a 500 year storm it was a flood and it flooded the city downtown and i remember like probably three days after the flood i got a text like we should like plan a fundraiser you know and what they were really saying was like you should plan a fundraiser and we'll play it so i did within a week i planned like a day festival like from morning till night and had all my friends come and play and we raised five thousand dollars from that event, we had like uh, silent auctions and stuff. And my idea was to, to partner with this group, Hands on Nashville, that I had actually volunteered on site with. And I was just so blown away by how they educated the volunteers. And it was just great the way they, they dealt with like the flood victims. But because I am a handshake and connection guy, I had cards of people that work for corporations like iHeart and... Um, Clorox bleach that were like, you know, in the VP level. So I emailed like, like five people like, Hey, we raised $5,000 for hands on Nashville. Would you match it? You know? And this is what me and my friends did. Would you match it? I heard crickets, nothing. Okay. So like six months goes by. And again, it was like, Oh, these are just 
phone call, text, and connections to throw this event. Like I do this all the time, you know, it was no big deal. But when you're obedient to something, the outcome is not your business. That's God's, you know, but the obedience of doing it is. So six months goes by, I get a text message. Hey, Stephen, I'm in town. I don't have this person's number on my phone. I'm in town at the station in. Um, it's Drew from Clorox. Like we should hang out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I live right beside the station in where he was at. I was like, I'll pick you up. He was going to do another show. So I pick him up on the drive to third and Lindsay. He was like, Hey, I got your email a few months ago. And he was like, you know what? We're going to match that. I was like, what? He was like, we're going to give you a check for $5,000. Like, so immediately like hands on Nashville got $10,000 from one event. So what I'm getting at is like, it's not me. That's this grand person, like puppeteer, if you will. It's again, being open. And when there's a need that is there and you have the time and resources, then you probably should step up because you have the skills to do so. And I, I will also tell you that when you want to help people, other people want to circle around and help you too. And so elevate the whole thing. So I've done everything from that um, to musicians on call where we do like live performances bedside to the patients at Vanderbilt and I have stories that have changed my life, like from someone in a full body cast that can't move, watching them, their toe tap along with me while I sing, you know, um, and just sort of standing with organizations that need to be elevated and giving a little bit of money, you know, to partner with throughout the year and um, has been really just sort of a gift back, not only to Nashville, who has given me so much life and community, to pour that back into the community, I think is necessary. Um, and also it's, you know, not lost on me, as you know, it's one of the most divisive times in American history. And it's also the best time to be alive. And so the more that you give examples like that out there in the world, I think the more it sort of breeds that contagious effort to be a servant, you know, just doing your life. Absolutely. And it is when you see someone else giving, there's that little piece of you that's like, I'd love to give too. Like, how do I get started? Where do I go? What do I do? And I think that's one of those events that people just seeing you giving back, that just makes you want to give. You're like, absolutely. It's amazing that even six months later, he still was like, we'll match it. Let's do it. That is, it's just the power of networking as well. Even though it may not have been, you know, intentional. It was just like, oh, well, let me just try and see. Like, it was just like, maybe it turned into a yes that you never would have even expected. But for such a good cause and for something that can really go to change people's lives, that is truly amazing that not a lot of people sometimes may experience that, but being able to hear that it is true and it is possible and things can happen, miracles can happen. Yeah. That's something that's very special. And another thing I do want to touch on, completely different topic, is your fashion. Because I know we've already talked about your hats and you do wear many hats, nice. but I want to talk about, you know, you do styling as well as you have your own brand. So what did that look like? How did you get started? And have you styled anyone famous, cool, doing stuff in Nashville? Sure. Um, so the fashion was sort of an accident, you know, like when I was, uh, I was a kid, my parents were really young, but I remember like seeing CD covers for like Prince and like Aerosmith. And I was like, who is that? You know, what is that? And of, of course, then like being from Eastern Kentucky, like we didn't really have stores that like you could <laughs> find cool clothes in back in those days, <laughs> but it like planted a seed of like inspiration, you know? And, um, and so like, I've always dressed the way I dress, like just, I mean, 
I, I couldn't style this look with on somebody and be like, you're going to be amazing. They probably are amazing, but they, they it's like I embody what I wear, you know. Um, but it was an accident. Like people were like, hey, where'd you get your jeans? And I was like, well, I bought the jeans at H&M, but I like did all the distressing or, you know, stuff like that. And then that started open a conversation. Well, if I had a pair of jeans, would you distress them for me? I was like, sure. So I started doing pop ups, you know, like around different events in town and I would have product to sell. But what I noticed was like I had a guy come up and I had this like gun holster suede vest that I was on. It was on display and he was like, I, I like that, but I could never wear it. I was like, why? And he was like, well, my, my wife would never let me wear that. I was like, well, why don't you pull it down and try it on and then decide if you couldn't wear it? You know, like, let's get out of the way of like the self, you know, created public. You can't, if you wear this, then you're this, or if you wear this, then you're this and just try it on and then decline. Even shirts that were like men's shirts that women would be like, let me try that. And I was like, that's like a boyfriend look, you know, even if it's oversized, if you're feeling yourself in it, and you're inspired by it, then most likely you're going, I bet you, you're going to have many compliments, you know, going down the road. So, and I remember trying to describe in like 30 seconds on the radio, like what shreds was. And I was like, it's peeling back. Like I'm tired of the Kardashians who have made a lot of revenue doing their thing, but I'm tired of people being like, Oh, I want to look like that. I want to look like that. I was like, what if we woke up every day? I was like, I want to wear a leopard today or you would like, I want to wear camo or I want to wear my pajamas. And we all like did it and went to work. Like we wouldn't have suicides would be down. We would not have like disorders, you know, going out the roof, like, and it would be a much happier place, you know? And I believe that style should speak. It should just be like a microphone, a megaphone on your heart, like blasting that out. That's why I also love the pageant. It's because like, um, there was a category for the pageant I, that we were part of, the state's uh, category, where yes. they like create, and they were just so creative with their outfits from each state. I was like, this is so great, you know? And it takes us back to being like inner child, like coloring or, build, you know, piecing things together, the freedom of that, instead of just trying to replicate what everybody else is doing, you know? That is the greatest gift. And so that is how it sort of came about. And then like friends of mine that were musicians that like may not necessarily, you know, follow me on my personal Instagram or like follow me on my music page. And so I would have artists that were on the road with like Brett Young and Michael Ray and Morgan Wallen um, that would reach out and be like, hey, like if I gave you a certain amount of money per month, could you just like mail me a couple shirts? I'm like, sure, you know? And again, it's like I sort of style from the eye of an artist, if you will. Like, I believe that all great photographers are artists. And so if you see a photo of someone, either another artist, like they have taken that picture from the vision of an artist. So that's how I style people. And not everyone that I style is in the music industry. Like I have women who are business adults, you know, um, who see things and, you know, I'll ship it to them. But again, it goes back from that place of inspiration, that place of truth. Um, and I believe that as long as and it's funny because I will cross the street and like there is this black lady like she wrote on the wind. She was like, you are I'm feeling you from head to toe. I'm feeling you from head to toe. And I just love because she's just talking about my energy. You know, just it wasn't that my outfit was 
the best, but like it probably was, you know, I, I, but I feel myself in a place of freedom, you know, and I'm always expressing myself through song, through podcast, through style. And I think that's the way the world should be, you know, I will I, say, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that uh, Lenny Kravitz and Jared Leto are my sort of semi permission slips. If I put something on and I'm like, nah, then I was like, you know what? Lenny would wear this. So Stephen could wear this. I love that. But it's always like you look at someone and you're like, I love their outfit. So like Briley King, she is, I'm not sure who her husband is, but he's some sort of country seeker. But I know that she posts stuff on TikTok and I'm like obsessed with her clothing. I'll have to send it to you later. I'm like, I don't know who this girl's stylist is. And I have no reason or rhyme to wear it in North Carolina. But if I did, (laughs) it would be killer because she has just the best outfit. She wore this. It was like a purpley pink and it had a red top and a big red bow on the back. And I'm like, I'm getting this made in white for my wedding. Like she has inspired me to do this. And so it's funny. My cousin and I were just throwing around ideas. I'm like, have you seen Briley King's Instagram? And she's like, oh, yes, I love it. So it's just finding someone that I'm like, I would love to just her style is something that I would love to, I wouldn't say imitate, but almost like bring out in my own personal style. It's like, oh, her glasses or her purses. I love how she does it. Cause it's one of those unapologetically herself types of outfits. Yeah. And that's something that I'm like, I want people to look at that and be like, oh, that's so a Casey outfit. Like, that's a Casey outfit. I want that. I've always wanted that in life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you deserve that, you know. (laughs) You have great style yourself. You know, I love, there's a couple of, like, Karen, like, Little Big Town, I believe, are always the best dressed, like, in the country world. Carrie Underwood's a great dresser. But I think, like, the Little Big Town people, I, like, I feel... They, they, they have, they, they play dress up, you know, with their stylist because like, it's always like unique and it's not what anybody else is doing. And I think that the fun of that, and I'll tell you, I was in a um, Q and a with the guy who has been Dolly Parton stylist for 30 years. And he said um, that he's bought stuff like off the street for five or $10, like that most people would be like, you know, yeah, (laughs) I don't know what the word is, but like, would not expect that Dolly, it would be for Dolly Parton and she's rocked it with whatever. And of course she can have anything designed for her, but like, it's not about the money and it is about the money. You know, it's like showing your riches um, as long as it's like inspired to you, you know? So I agree. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like you can show your riches through your personality as well. And the way that you carry yourself, I don't say in a boastful way, you don't carry yourself as like, I am higher than thou, but it's more of the idea of, Everything I'm wearing, I feel confident in, even though you may not choose this outfit, but I choose it and I feel good in it. And that's just such a good feeling. And that's something that I feel like comes off, like especially on a pageant stage. You can tell if the girl truly likes the outfit or if her mom told her she had to put it on. There's a You can always tell the difference. And so that's something I tell my pageant moms out there that are listening. Make sure your child actually enjoys the outfit and it's not just something you're forcing them to be in because it will show and it will show in the numbers as well because the judges are looking going, oh, she doesn't look comfortable or oh, I don't know if she can walk in those heels. They may be cute, but she can't walk in them. So you really have to think about those things, especially in your everyday life of do I like this? Is this a me outfit? Is this something I would wear? Yeah, cool. Perfect. I'm good with it. And that's all you know, the acceptance that you need, as long as you can do it for yourself. It's that self-reassurance of like, I'm good. I like this. I look great. (laughs) Absolutely. That's all you need, you know? And also like, I I just, I really, I'm a big supporter of like trying to make sure that like, you're not trying to look like anybody else for 
their confidence, you know, what makes them yeah. confident, you know, because I think that that leads down a dark road and, and we weren't all meant to be, you know, looking alike, you know, so. Exactly. And that's, that's like your male and female, uh, who would you call like fashion icons in your view? Okay. So I have, I have two female ones. They're very similar, but different spectrums. I love country music. So of course it's going to come from country music land, definitely Briley King. And then I love Kelsey Ballerini and the way that she dresses, the way they style her. It's very like girl next door with a little bit of flair, but yeah. also she's not afraid to wear a jean. I love a good jean outfit, whether it be a jean top, jean purse. I absolutely love that and adore it, but it's also a little bit of clean girl aesthetic. Mm. And then for male, I feel like it would have to be like, I don't know, maybe like Joe Jonas. Cause he always dresses yeah. like just very appropriate for whatever the situation is, but he just looks good in everything yeah. he wears. But it's also not like, even if he's in a lazy fit, it looks like he could still go and, you know, take pictures with fans and do things. It's not where it's like Justin Bieber when he's in sweatpants showing up to uh, Haley's new launch party. <laughs> like right. yeah. It's not that vibe. So I think like Joe Jonas would probably yeah. be a male person. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That, that probably shows my age right there on who I'm actually. No, no. Because <laughs> like, I think that like Joe Jonas, like when he was part of DNCE, was mm -hmm. much more like loud and vibrant, you know, because that was yes. the sound of their artist's aesthetic. Um, but like, it's interesting, like how their stylist styled the Jonas Brothers sort of together, um, you know, with colors and sort of uh, patterns and styles. Um, but he just seems to have a little more like freedom than the other two brothers do to me. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Cause it's always like, you see Joe, then there's Nick, then it's Kevin just kind of hanging out in the background. Yeah. But I, I do like when you pointed out that way, especially with the DNC, the, his other group that he was with, mm -hmm. I like how that was very different from mm -hmm. what he had done before as like the younger version of the Jonas brothers to where they are now. They just yeah. look like they're grown up. They have the dark colors. Like they all, they always have always fit together in their group. Even when they did, what was it? Camp rock, like yeah. Disney channel, like 2010s, <laughs> but they, they dress them appropriately. And that's why I always like to say that. Cause it's like, it's very important not to dress like something you're not in an age that you're not like, yeah. it's just, I don't know. I've always been taught dress appropriately. I've grew up in a Southern household. So you're always modest with a little right. bit of spice, modest with yeah. spice, but that's just, yeah, very, very interesting stuff there. Yeah, huh. that's great. I love it. Well, we've come to that point in the podcast where I like to ask everyone the same final question. Are you ready? Sure. All right. And in what way has pageants positively impacted you? Um, well, since I've only been in two pageants in my life, um, I would just say, you know, to tie it back around, I think that the music industry is a lot like the pageant world. And I would say that it's allowed me to be myself and to express myself in song, in style, in presence, in conversation. And I think that the word authenticity like is a little overused because I don't believe like after nine months, we're really authentic because we're taking on other people's ideas and influences. <laughs> but I think the more that we honor like the freedom to be ourselves, to dress how we want to dress, to say what we want to say, to sing how we want to sing, the more focused and honed in to being like no one else on earth. Um, we are. And I think that at the end of the day, that is greater than a Grammy award or any sort of notoriety because I, you can't replicate this, you know, and 
and I don't want it to be replicated. I always want to be Steven Salyers and to be the ultimate like peak that I can be of that because I know all of this joy and love is not mine to keep. So I want to keep expressing that and know that I have the freedom to do that in every sort of spectrum. This has been such an amazing episode and I want you to tell us your Instagram handles or ways that people can contact you or to just follow your journey going on to your next endeavor. Well, thank you. It's been a joy to be with you, Casey, to reconnect. Um, and you can follow me on uh, Instagram. It's at the Stephen Salyers and it's spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-A-L-Y-E-R-S. And my link tree's on there. But And that'll send you like to my music, my podcast, and my shreds, everything you need to know about me. That's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Crowning Moment Podcast Unfiltered. And don't forget to check us out next week on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. Bye, guys. Thank you, Casey.